Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a monthly show that takes a look at mental health and well-being with a different guest that airs the first Sunday of each month right here on Loch Ray Community Radio. Hello, and you're welcome to this episode of Mind the Head here on Loch Ray Community Radio. My name is Paul Flaherty, and in this series, I focus on mental health and chat to a variety of people, including some experts in the field, and also some people share their very personal stories with me. On today's episode, I chat to a young man that was so badly bullied in school that he was forced to leave and be homeschooled. But he hasn't let the events of his past define him, but rather used it to try and help others. He has now contributed to a book called Mental Health for Millennials, Molly, Volume 4, and also a fellow radio broadcaster with a weekly show on our neighbouring station, Flirt FM, here in Galway. I'm very pleased to welcome to the show, Chris Sherlock. Chris, how are you? Welcome along. Cheers for having me, Paul. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. So I ask everyone that comes on the show... How's the head today? Oh, the head is good. <laughs> a busy head, but it's good. Yeah. That's good. That's the main thing. It's good to keep busy anyway, isn't it? Oh, it is. Well, you have to, especially with these series of lockdowns, you know, you're locked up, locked in. So the, the best thing to do is, you know, go and clear the heads. You know, it, if you're busy, so be it. At least it makes the day go handier and stuff like that. But it's, it's good to be active. So we'll chat about um, your story in a minute, but the, the book you've contributed, contributed to, Mental Health for Millennials, Volume 4, can you tell us how the chapter in that book came about? Yeah, so um, like your good self, Paul, I, I work on radio, as you just said, and we done a mental health special uh, on the station. And I was talking to Niall McElwee and Susan McKenna and Dr. Phil Noon. And we said, what we'll do is we'll put together this special and hope for the best that uh, we, we will help somebody listening, you know, and it's and, and everyone has something that they can relate to in terms of mental health. You know, it affects us all at some point in our lives. So it's a bit of a roller coaster. So we wanted to help those listening. And that's what these books are about. So uh, from the very first volume, uh, I had a series of different authors coming in out of the station and then when we went to do this special, we had three people that were authors in the book prior to before I was invited. And on the day of the mental health special, a bit of bullying came up in the, the chat. And we were talking about online bullying as Niall McElwee, who is one of the MDs of the book co-publishing group as well, had said about um, or he had written rather of millennials and being on their social media. Yeah. So um we, that's where the online bullying kind of aspect came into it. And then I happened to say that I was a victim of bullying in the past. And uh, once we finished the show we, and uh, he asked me back after the, the show was done to basically just tell him the story. And uh, he asked me there and then to, to come into the, the office chat all strategy about being in the next volume. And I declined it at first, actually. I, I didn't want to do it. I was, I was kind of not in the headspace. Um, I would think to do, to actually put my life on paper, so to speak. So I just thought, right. Um, I said, no, this couldn't be for me. But um, long story short, he asked me again, just as the the rollout for the book was coming, and I said yes. So we did it, and uh, it's in, it's in there now for everybody to read, and what I hope someone can take something from it and hope it can help them further. Because that was my next question, because how did it feel to kind of put all that onto paper or I suppose type it or whatever way you kind of, you know, wrote the chapter, you know, how did it feel to be kind of, I suppose, revisiting that 
particular period? Um, I thought it would be bad, if I'm honest. Yeah. I was kind of thinking, what what's going to happen here? Am I end up going to go backwards rather than yeah. go forward? I thought, you know, this yeah. is going to be a factor. But I, I done it easy enough going. I just said, right, I, I in my head, I'd, I'll write about two scenarios and I'll write about the the impact that it had kind of before and after and I was a shy kid so I wanted to kind of put that in there and I wanted to put in the fact that there was a lot of there was a lot of ups and downs with the duration after and I didn't want people to kind of lose sight that this is about bullying and I and I thought right I want to keep it straight and and to the narrative of what was going on so I just picked two scenarios and I think by me going in and just going right this is what happened I wrote about those two that I could I could remember and they were things that are going to stay with me the two scenarios mm. uh, there was a few other scenarios but those two in particular they they, they always stay with me and they, they never left but I did push them into the back of my mind so I thought if I went in any further back and relived more moments, I thought, well, that's going to be a problem. So we, I said it to Niall and the team at the Book Hub Publishing Group that this is what I, this is where I'd be comfortable. If you want more, I don't know if I could give it. But yeah. they were so understanding and we we took it from there. And thank, thankfully, um, it, it was enough because it's, unfortunately, it's the truth of the matter that there was a few scenarios, but... I think two is enough for the the reader to understand, and they're, they're, they're one is kind of a milder scenario, and the other one is a bit more intense. And uh, unfortunately, um, the intense one drove me over the edge nearly. Well, if you're okay, we'll kind of we'll look at that now, if we if you if you can, because you know what you said in your book is that this all started when you made the transition from primary school to secondary school, and yeah. You know, I also remember that period being really, really difficult. Now, I wasn't bullied, but like I remember that period between going from one school to the other being really, really intense and difficult. And this is back in the 90s when I went, so it's a lot different than what it is now. But what you say is that because you were also you were changing schools and that you were having, you know, meeting new people and the whole thing was, you know, very intense. And then you find yourself in this terrible situation as well to add to that. When 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 I when I was doing it, it was back in two thousand and four. So it was the transition of two thousand and four two thousand and five, uh, and that's there was the time of no social media, so there was nothing really like that. Even though Bebo had been a thing, oh, all this kind of stuff. yeah, <laughs> I believe that thing is making yeah, a comeback. Making a comeback to our detriment, I'd say. <laughs> uh, but uh, so it was prior to all this. So in in a way, um, the bullying was just sheltered to secondary school. And for me, thankfully, at the time, it was it was enough, you know, because I started off a shy kid. It was a new place, new building, new teachers, new everything. And I only had a handful of uh, students that would have come with me from primary. So I I didn't have my normal posse with me. So it was kind of it was a starting from scratch scenario. And I, I was coping well. I was I was nervous like yeah. any other kid would be, you know, but it was just when it came to that first kind of into second week, there was a lot of name calling. It, it, it started almost immediately. Uh, I barely had room to breathe. 
Mm. Uh, you know, you're dealing with the nerves, you're dealing with that. And then you're kind of more on edge because you have someone taunting you. Mm. So I just thought I, I was thinking and I'm self analyzing myself all the time. What am I going to do? What can I do? You know, is that I could do to make it stop? And I just thought, well, I'll keep moving and saying nothing. And they'll eventually get bored of me and hopefully move on somebody else. That was my train of thought. But yeah. it, I, I didn't want it to move on to anybody else. And I wanted to, to stop for me because I knew it was horrific and no one should have to go through that. But the, the, the first scenario, I was on school lunch one day and I would phone home because of the nerves. And I would just talk to the mother and say, this is what I'm liking. This is not what I'm not liking. And we would move on from there. I, I bit by bit, you know, we'd have calls and that was okay too. But it was during one of these phone calls, these guys came up behind me and just grabbed me, pinned me to the wall and was started choking me. And it was something that I would never expect. And I, to this day, I don't know why they've done it. Uh, in any of the scenarios I'm talking about here today, there was no reason to provoke it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just remember being stunned and completely unaware of what was going on. And I tried to squirm out of the situation, but they were calling me all sorts of names, book teeth, faggot, you know, just winding me up, you know, uh, who he on the phone to. And they just took the phone out of my hand and flung it across the area where I was. And I just, I, I was frozen. So eventually what seems like, whatever, what seems like a half an hour was only about a minute or two. But I just I, I just couldn't deal. So I just squirmed out and left and I covered it up. I didn't talk to my uh, friends in there because they were all new. And you kind of had that sense of pride where you didn't want to say anything to. Yeah. You know, there were new friends. I was trying to impress them. So I kept it bottled up. I phoned back my mother from that from that day for that uh, just before I went back to class. And she did ask what had happened. She, she thought it was a bit weird to, but um, I just said that I dropped the phone and it took, yeah. the battery came out. You know, I met mm-hmm. any sort of excuse I could make. That's what happened. Yeah. And then you also talk about another event that happened that was kind of the, was it the camel that broke the straw, straw broke the camel's back even, we'll say in terms of um, the bullying. Yeah. So the other scenario then was we were going to class. It was uh, on a fifth floor. Uh, in an old type school building uh, so if you if you kind of get my drift it's got a hardcore floor and just to pinch a little bit of a picture there is doors at the start of the corridor and uh, there was these guys they were up against these doors and I was trying to get to class and every time I tried to go through these doors to get to the other side they just wouldn't let me they kept pushing and shoving me away uh, they, they were just saying, you know, go away or you require money to pass, you know, to get in. And, I, yeah. you know, it, it was just silly things. But yeah. then all of a sudden I just tried to grab the door and they just cut my hand and pushed me back. And then the other guy decided to pull my uh, T-shirt over. It was actually a polo shirt. It was part of the uniform. And they pulled it up over my head and just pushed me down the stairs. And I just remember again being in shock. And I, when I kind of realized what had happened and I just g- got up and I saw that my arm was pumping with blood mm. and I just immediately went to the office to get help. Um, but I covered that up too. It was uh, when I got there, they were asking, you know, what had happened? And I just I just said I was clumsy and I tripped over and fell down the stairs. Did anyone ever kind of say to you, oh, you know, are you OK, Chris, or is everything all right or? 
No, not yeah. no, not that I can remember. I, yeah. I I was just I was asked, you know, in that moment, are you okay? You know, how did yeah. it happen? Yeah. I said I said I feel fine. There's nothing broken, but yeah. it was just the the there was a gash along my elbow there, yeah. forearm, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but I it, yeah, it's um, it, it's uh, it, it wasn't a thing where you'd be asked that. Yeah, uh, by students or people, it was just you know what happened, and that was it. Yeah, no. It was just to find out what had happened, but there was no sense of are you really okay? Yeah, yeah. So kind of what happened then after that? What was the next sort of thing that happened, or you know, did you kind of say this is it? Now I have to kind of get out of here. I can't, I can't take this anymore. Well, after that, I was brought home, and I had a few days off, and I just kind of recuperated a little bit. So. Um, I remember going back into school. Then again, a few days later, uh, the mother decided to accompany me of my newfound clumsiness. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to the school gates that morning. And I think it was probably the best thing that she did because when I got to the gates, I probably would have just turned back or just skipped the day of school. But because she was there, I just knew everything was coming full throttle at me again. Because in the few days off, I had them off, but in my head, I was suffering from PTSD. I was worried in case if I do tell somebody, because I wanted to tell somebody and I just couldn't. So I, I just eventually broke down in hysterics, crying and told everything. Eventually I made sense. And the course of action was talk to the school, try and pinpoint who these guys are. Cause I didn't know these guys by name, not at the time. And then it was, Shortly after then, we had a meeting with the school. They got detention and they got expulsion for at least two or three days. But it wasn't enough. It mm. really wasn't. Um, were they older lads than you or were they in the same year or were they? They were older. So mm. um, I think they were the third year. So they'd be kind of junior cert year. Yeah. So uh, I, 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 know, I know two of them were the junior cert year of that year because there's two different groups. But I think they knew of each other. Yeah. So, um, but I, I don't know for sure because I was only in the school three weeks. So yes. when that day had come, I had I, I I I didn't go back. I went and I went in for a meeting, and the course of action was to go on to tuition that was granted supposed to be up until my junior cert, but after a year, government cuts cut that. So That's right. uh, I was left to my own devices mm-hmm. in limbo land to kind of educate myself. Yeah, that's rough. Did you? Can I ask you? Did you ever think that while you were being homeschooled, that you were missing out on kind of school life and the dynamic dynam, dynamics of being in school? Like I know you went through a terrible kind of time of it, but then you know. Yeah, it it was of course a terrible time, and it's it's something I don't I don't look back on. Um, but even at the in the moment, I didn't think I was missing anything because mm. my it was my normal when I was bullied so I thought that was going to be the normal thing yeah. you know you're 13 years of age so it was kind of uh, you know I just thought I, I couldn't be around that like you know I just thought this was going to be what I was in for 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 the whole school years of secondary school but it, I just couldn't go back there it, it was a no-go area so I just kept doing my own thing you know I would research photography i would learn spellings online um i was never really good at maths but i would i would do what i could do um 
variations of stuff I would throw myself into and so you really applied your, you applied yourself you weren't going to say that these bullies have kind of you know have knocked me down I'm going to keep going I'm going to keep learning I'm going to keep finding out things oh yeah for sure yeah. They, they weren't going to stop me you know just yeah. because I wasn't going into a building where someone could attack me I just thought well but they were telling me at the time that my education is important, which I knew. And I did want yeah. to go back to school. It wasn't a case that I didn't want to get back, go back there and finish school. I, I knew I had to go back and I wanted to go back. And But it was just over the course of time, I wasn't ready to go back. You see, this, this is another common denominator. People don't understand that sometimes... They want they want you. And when I say a day, like the Minister for Education, you know, there's a team of all them for each city and they try and apply you back into school straight away. So they help you with tuition for a while. They'll get you back into school, get you back into your class, which is all great if somebody was, you know, if they were out sick for for a while of of hopefully what I would understand minor circumstances if you broke your leg yeah. or something like that you know or they yeah. keep you going on the outskirts but this the, at, at this particular stage you we, I was out of school for two months and this was kind of happening and then I was feeling pressure to go back and I just thought because of this pressure I can't do this yeah so it was a it was a day I had to go off and have time to myself I just went walking I didn't know what else I could do. I needed to be away from my parents. I needed to be away from friends. I just wanted to be left alone. And this was the particular day where I just couldn't hack the thoughts anymore because if I go back to school, it's going to be the same thing over again. You know, I could get beaten to death. I could be thrown downstairs again, but I mightn't come out of it. So I said, you know what? Rather than them going to kill me, I'll just kill myself and be done with it because that way then there'll be no stress for my parents um there'll be no need to go to school because i won't need an education there'll be no need for for anything in life you know that i was going to seek out you know for educational purposes i thought i'll end it all here i'll I'll go to the galway canal i'll jump in i couldn't swim so naturally enough the current to take me i'd be gone end of life no worries for me my parents and I didn't want to. I didn't want to let my parents down yeah. by not going back to school and getting an education. This, like these things, were all going through my head, Paul. And it was, yeah. it, it it was my only course of action. Yeah. Yeah. If, if but I was moments away from doing it, yeah. and by the stroke of luck, two lads came up from my neighbour in estate and said, "Do you want to go back and play video games?" It was a momentarily distraction. Yeah. But it was the best distraction i ever got because i i got to prove these bullies wrong by continuing what i wanted to do and found the passion for what i wanted to do you know i was still learning my field and want going down that road where i want to go in terms of jobs and this and that and i was i was working in the background with galway city partnership and there was no stress from them they came on board from my when i was 16 and they just helped me through you know, they gave me an idea of courses, I educational areas where I could go and community centers, whatever. Um, they were they were at my disposal and they were the only guys that I could kind of trust because it was it was either in a one to one capacity or it was in a small group because I had no trust in people as well. That's interesting. You know, because- yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was no trust in people. If if I was in a group of seven or eight people and I didn't know at least one person, yeah. I would be afraid for my life that I'd be picked on because I just saw it as they're going to attack me. 
They're going to start calling me names in a minute, even though they don't know me. Yeah. But the guys in the school didn't know me either. So I, it, it was my only way of thinking and it was what I was expecting. And I was expecting nothing less at that point too. Yeah. Did it take you long to, to work through those trust issues and to kind of overcome that? Because that's an incredible step to overcome those, those issues. Yeah, it t- I think it roughly took me around two or three years to, to get the grasp, to, to start going into big groups. Yeah. I could go into a group of maybe two or three people, no problem. Um, because I, I knew I could get away. I could run if I wanted to, do you know what yeah. I mean? But I, I, or just slip away without kind of being noticed, uh, even though it's kind of hard in a group of two or three, but I just thought, uh, but these guys knew, you know, where I went to, it was that kind of community uh, service where they understood the situation. And if I had to leave, I would just tell someone and I could go. That was it, you know? So I felt comfortable in that, but eventually I got round to it and, uh, I got through the big groups and I started doing a photography class in a local community centre here in the city. And I, that was kind of the deep end for me at the time. Yeah. I thought, well, I'm going to be around loads of people, but I was going to be around adults. I was going to be around kids. Mm. I was going to be around every kind of profession that was kind of coming together for this event. And all I had to do was take photography uh you know or just take photos and be the photographer and as i loved photography it kind of gave me that incentive to go and do it yeah so um luckily luckily i went and i and i done it and i was i was delighted at myself when i did do it because i would have been at, i would have been 16 at this stage so the confidence was slowly coming back good yeah that's good and then of course obviously i said earlier you got into broadcasting so how did that kind of come about so yeah, it, it came about that when I was at home, I was, you know, with, without the tuition had all stopped at that point and I was just doing small things off and on, but I was mostly just left doing nothing unless I was doing something on the computer, like I was saying. So I, I just was watching TV and radio was always on in our house. And I thought, just I'd love to do that. I just saw these guys talking to people and just telling stories and really grasping you know, the story rather than the worry of it, of, yeah. of the scenario. But uh, when I saw people talking to each other and just having fun and broadcasting is a fantastic place. It's a fantastic field. And the people you meet, you know, whether it's a comedian or a singer songwriter, they have all got a story to tell. And I just I just fell in love with that. And, you know, the the little games you can play on radio and TV even as well. Just it's just it's it's fun and it's it's great work too you know it, and if you've got the knack you've got the knack and uh I, I i thought i'd be good at that and here i am today you know i'm in the field of broadcasting and it's just fantastic and you've also got kind of author to add to your to your string of things as well like, this is no, it i yeah. i never thought that I never thought that would happen, to be honest, um, mm. <laughs> but it happened. So there you go. You see what's for you won't pass you, you know. I agree. Definitely. I agree. So if anyone listening today kind of is going through something similar that what you would have gone through, um, would you have any sort of words of advice for them in what, what should they do? Well, the thing about it is everyone is different. So, you know, you, you can't paint one picture to suit everybody, but talk to somebody. It's the it's the most easiest thing you can do. That being said, it mightn't seem like that in the moment. So if anyone's listening, take your time 
and talk to somebody. Things will be okay. Go on your own merit. You know, just take day by day and talk to a friend, a colleague, whoever. It's important that you reach out to somebody, even if it's a medical professional, talk to a GP. They're there to listen if, in case you're uncomfortable talking to your parents. Whatever the scenario is, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I didn't realize that at first. I, I'm 100% will say that. I was, I, I was in dark places and I eventually got out of them. But talking helped. And it's okay not to be okay. Just talk and you... I guarantee you, uh, you you be in control. You talk and you say what you want to say, you know, and it'll all work out. It's it's very very important, and it, don't let anything stop you because you've got the power within yourself to do it. But it just has to be on your own term. I think you're a testament to that yourself because you set out to achieve something, and here you are. You're achieving it. You know. Yeah, it, you know, I threw myself in the, the very deep end. It wasn't the photography class that threw me in the deep end. It was broadcasting because you're literally, as you know, Paul, you're you're in the public eye. So you're, you criticize yourself, but you, people criticize you for you. So like, when they end, often, don't like so- yeah, you're often the worst critic of yourself is yourself, to be honest, you know. This is it. Like, yeah. you know, you know, the comments will come in when you're in this field, but it's wash off a duck's back, you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's another thing, you know, they can have their opinion and if they don't like you, they don't like you, you know, they can turn off, they can change the channel, whether it's on TV or on the radio. Definitely. Do you have any future plans that you kind of want to share with us today, Chris? Uh, Well, at the minute, I'm just sticking, doing the radio, but I'd love to get into TV. So if there's any TV bosses listening and are looking for a presenter, then of course uh, I, I'd love to front a TV show. Uh, there's not there's nothing set in stone yet, uh, but you, you just never know where you might where I might pop up. <laughs> oh, I believe it. I definitely believe it. And um, what's your show on Flirt of M called? And when's it on? It's Chris Sherlock on the wireless, and it's on Wednesdays from four PM on Flirt of M on a one point three. That's brilliant. Um, Chris, thank you so much for sharing your incredible personal story with me today. Um, I wish you all the very best for the future. Thanks for having me, Paul. I appreciate you having me on and thanks for the well wishes and, and same back at you. Best wishes and best of luck. I, I know you're a newbie to the wireless. Uh, yeah, so. very much so, yes. <laughs> so, and you're, you're doing great, by the way. Oh, Fair play to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, if you've been affected by any issues in today's show, you can check out the following um, www.hse.ie forward slash mental health or the samaritans.ie. They can be contacted on 116-123-24 hours a day or Pieta House 1800-247-247 or pieta.ie for more information. Until next time, take care and mind the head. If you want to get a copy of the book Mental Health for Millennials Volume 4, you can do so by going on to bookhubpublishing.com or else you can check out Charlie Burns Bookshop here in Galway. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty, a monthly show that takes a look at mental health and well-being with a different guest that airs the first Sunday of each month right here on Loch Ray Community Radio.